Welcome to another very special episode of Alex B. Keaton is my friend. I'm your friend, Phil Vecchio, and on this episode we'll be discussing Season 4, Episode 21 of Family Ties. This episode was titled Teacher's Pet, and it originally aired on March 2nd, 1986. And with me as always to discuss this episode is my very special co-host, Keith. Phil, how you doing? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. This was a good episode. It was very good. Helen is so good. She really got to have like a big part in it, and I love it. She's it was great. Yeah, she got to stretch uh, her her acting chops. You know, she got yeah. to be Ellen the bad girl. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Ellen the Fonz. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's that's how you go from uh, regular to bad girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He turned into the fawns. She should have slicked her hair back, too. That would have been cool. Well, it was still, she was pretty tough. Yeah. Oh, she was tough. She gave it to Alex, so. Yeah, she did. That's all that matters. Well, a couple other things do matter. What? Right up front, I want to mention, in case people have forgotten since the last episode, that you can write to us here at Alex B. Keaton by sending us a message at Alex B. Keaton is my friend at gmail.com. You can also send us a message on Facebook. And guess what? Keith is now an admin on our Facebook page. Yay. So I'll get notified when people say stuff, right? I believe so, yes. Phil, I'm so happy. It's only taken me three seasons to win you over. We finally I finally did it. Well, <laughs> it's not because I was trying to hide you out of it or anything. It just I couldn't tag you in it. I'm like, oh, I think is Keith not an admin on this? I think I need to change that. So <laughs> it was more just a an omission of you know, I just wasn't aware that that happened, that's all. Well, and I'm not super good at uh, the uh, social medias, so. <laughs> well, all I needed is to be able to tag you. That was the big thing. But it's it's kind of a momentous occasion. It is. It, I celebrated it, actually. I popped a bottle of champagne and then just put it back down and left it because I'm not a big champagne guy, so. <laughs> yeah, that's not really for me. No, I do but like a mimosa, Coke. but. Ooh, huh. Diet Coke and champagne, that could be good. That could be good. <laughs> hey, did they have any fun flavors of Diet Coke this summer? Yeah, they had the Dream one. Oh, was that good? I've never tried it. It was really good. I don't wonder if it's still out there. So I tried Starlight. Yeah, there was like Starlight and Dream. Okay, so I heard about that. Another one of my friends was telling me about it. And she was like, yeah, I came and described like what it tastes like. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that makes it easy. But to me, Starlight was just extra syrupy and sugary. It tasted sweeter. Yeah, whereas the Dreams one, to me, I tasted like a mango, kind of, like a fruity. Ooh. It was really good. It, because it's not labeled and it just says Dreams, I guess it's open for interpretation, but it seemed like a fruity type of thing, like a tropical fruit. It was really good. Do they, like, I went into a gas station and that's where I found Starlight. Did they sell Dream like that too, like in the 20 ounce bottles or whatever? Janelle got them, and I think she just got them at Vaughn's. And okay. they were like the mini cans, like the smaller cans. Okay. That's the way my other friend had it, too, is in mini cans. Yeah. Well, I need to find that because I do want to try it before it's gone. It was pretty good. I liked it better than the Starlight. The Starlight one, like you said, it didn't, I don't know, it didn't taste special or anything. It just was a little different. Yeah. This one actually had like a really good flavor to it. Well, I will definitely have to find that here sooner rather than later before they're all gone. 
Brought to you by Coke. Yeah. <laughs> and Coke, if you want to sponsor us, you can find us on Facebook at Alex B. Keaton is my friend. That would be fantastic. <laughs> Wouldn't that be really weird if all of a sudden Coke hit us up? Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll sponsor your podcast. I bet Coke would have some inroads, though, to get to the rest of the cast to be on our show. All right. Coke, this is, this is real now. If anyone's got any connections, let us know. Because, man, how great would that be? And... Maybe they can hook us up with a few free, you know, beverages from time to time. Dreams, Starlight. You didn't get a chance to see it, but I actually have a vintage 1971 Coke machine. Really? Like for cans or for bottles? It's bottles. Oh, that's cool. Yep. And it only takes nickels and dimes because uh, when you would buy it, they were 10 cents. And it's a very wow. special bottle. It's like a six ounce bottle, but its shape was very thin, but not too tall. Because it goes into like this carousel, and so when you push the lever down, then it would shoot one out into this you know area, and then there was a little stopper, and then you would take it out and pop the the top off and enjoy a delicious Coke. And they don't make that size bottle anymore, so you can kind of mess with it a little bit with the different size. You got to put these like plastic spacers in, and those didn't withstand the test of time. Whereas the Coke machine itself still works to this day if I plug it in. That's so cool. So, yep. I mean, do you have bottles that you use for it, or are you just... I don't, because my dad used to take them to a place in Rancho Cucamonga, well, a Coke bottling place in Cucamonga, and he would be able to get them filled. Well, the last time he took them in, you know, they always gave him like a credit kind of thing, and then um, because he would bring the bottles back, they would sanitize them, and then refill them and give them back to him kind of thing. Usually it took about right. a week. And they took him the last time and they said, hey, we can't refill these anymore. And he's like, oh, okay, well, what am I going to do with all these bottles so he doesn't have them anymore? Ah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was probably 20 plus years ago, though. So, Well, speaking of bottles, I went to the recycling place this week. You know, we save our cans and our plastic bottles Mm -hmm. and you bring them in and they pay you. I'm, I'm sure most people are familiar with that, but I don't know if that's like an international thing. Julia, maybe you can chime in on this. Do they do recycling where they pay you in other countries? In Germany, perhaps? I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. We had been stockpiling it for quite a while because I was going to take it in like before we got sick. And then obviously we got sick. And so I didn't do anything. It's just been sitting there. And finally brought in all the recycling, filled up the back of our pickup truck. Guess how much I got from one load of recycling? Ooh, $84.36. Oh, man, that's, like, really close. Really? $87.65. Oh, that was close. And I didn't go over, so I would have won. That's right. You won prices right. (laughs) Sha-la-la-la. Shall we get to this episode? Yes, this was a good episode, like we said. Ellen. Oh, I love her. Teacher's pet. I know we only have, after this episode, three more episodes for this season. Right. By the oh, way, just have to remind you. It's going so fast. We're drawing to a close here. We'll be in season five probably before the end of the year. All right. Well, here we go. I think it's my turn. Right, it is. To, uh, yeah. After things. I butchered last week, yes, it is definitely your turn. <laughs> you did fantastic. Oh, you're very kind. Well, we open in the Keaton's kitchen, of course. And Steven is hanging out with Andy. He's got like that classic ring toss. Like stacking toy, the plastic like thing with little colored rings you put on it. And I think everyone had that. I had that as a kid. We got one for our kids when they were little. 
Oh, yeah. Pretty common. Well, he is really concerned because Andy's sitting there and he's not showing any interest in doing the thing. And he, Steven says he can't figure out how to do it. It looked to me more like Andy just was not interested and I don't think he was, like, confused. No, he had another pretzel going, so I think he was happy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't care about Steven. So Steven is, like, freaking out. Elise comes home, and he's, like, pulls her aside, and he's, like, I'm really concerned. You know, look, read this box. And she looks at the box. She's, like, oh, ring toss for hours of fun. Oh, no, what are we going to do? And he's, like, no, keep reading. And she says, fun for nine months and up. And he's, like, Andy's 11 months old, and he doesn't know how to do it, and he's falling behind. And I think we should put him into preschool. And she's, like, like Stephen, I think you're. He's he's too young for preschool. And Stephen's like, the boy on the box can do it, and Andy can't do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> and he says he wants him to go to preschool so he can learn to do the ring toss and use computers. <laughs> <laughs> that that seems I, about right, you know. Yeah, it's not one; it's going to be the other. <laughs> one of those two things. You got your computer center and your plastic toys. Exactly. <laughs> So that sets up our B story. Then Alex comes in and he has got a new piece of technology that he is excited to show off to everyone. Now that he has become a teacher's aide at the college and he's going to be teaching a course, he needs to be taken professionally. So he got an answering machine for the Keatons. And in his words, he's bringing them into the 80s. <laughs> Isn't that so funny? And it's 1986 when they're doing 19- this. Right. And I mean, I don't know. I, I don't have a definite timeline, but I feel like we had answering machines by that point, like, or before that. Like, I don't think it was that oh, yeah. uncommon, was it? No, I don't think so either. I mean, everybody had one. It seems wild that they didn't have one at this point, especially Steven's a manager of a television station. Elise is, you know, a, an architect and a professional working person. They have four kids at home and they don't have an answering machine. Right? I mean, I wonder if maybe they just thought, well, somebody's almost always here, so. That's true. They're always in the kitchen by the phone. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why would they even need it? <laughs> oh, my gosh. The, an early model known as the Codaphone was introduced in 1966. Answering machines became more widely used after the restructuring of AT&T in 1984 when the machines became affordable and the sales reached 1 million units per year in the U.S. So they actually, that was kind of cutting edge and we're only just a little behind Yeah, they were when they were like widely available to the general population. Yeah, I mean, you know, my family was uh, always a little bit behind the times too, you know, cordless phone. I bought the first one for our family, so I was probably 16, 17 when we got the first cordless hmm. phone. And that was like 91. And I know that they had been around for longer than that. But Interesting. Not too far behind, 86, you know, especially March. You know, I have a thing from, and I don't remember the year off the top of my head, but I'm sitting right in front of me here, and I'm going to play it here. If you listen to our other show, to my other show, The Mandarin Orange Show, you've actually heard this in one of my interstitial bits before. Um, it's actually on the news segment oh. of our, our show there. And what I have is it's a, it's a Panasonic brand. I'm holding it in my hand here. I'm trying to see if there's a year on it. Well, I don't see. I looked, I've looked it up before. And so I got like, I don't remember the exact year, but this is from an old answering machine. And what this thing that I have here, and I'll play it in a moment, is it's a, a little device with a speaker on it, and it plays a tone, a little sound, 
And so what you would do, and this was like very high tech for the time, is you would call home if you wanted to check your messages. You'd call the number and then you'd play this little tone into the phone and it would trigger the answering machine to play back the message remotely. Ooh, nice. Okay. So it's an answering machine remote. So this is the sound. If you've, again, if you heard our show, you've heard this before. And now the news. There it is. Yes. <laughs> I've heard that show. So, yeah, so that's that's what that sound is, and it's from an old answering machine. I also use that because the way it looks, it almost looks like a Star Trek communicator. You know, you hold it in your hand, it's got the speaker. Like you, It looks like you could talk into it, and you press the button. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know where I found this thing. Some thrift store or yard sale or something back in, like, the 90s, right? And for whatever reason, I didn't even know what it was at the time, just that it made this little sound. I thought it was funny, so I got it, and... I, I call it my detector, and I've used this. I started using it in college, but I've done it with, like, youth group kids and stuff. And I <laughs> pretend that it can detect things, and I kind of wave it over. And if I want it to detect something, I press the button. And I say, oh, look, there it is. So I might say, like, oh, look, here's the bad breath detector. And then I wave it around, and I go past someone, and, oh, yep, there it is. And the silly thing, it's such a dumb joke, and I've done it so many times and so many people, but... On more than one occasion, I've actually confused, like, adults who, like, can't figure out how this detector... Because I'll say, like, okay, detect, you know, speak into it, detect whatever this is. And they're like, how do you do that? How does it work? It's pretty fantastic. <laughs> they start off confused and stay there. Yep. So that's my detector, which is also an old answering machine thing, which is also on another show. And it ties right back to Family Ties because Alex got an answering machine. Yes. And... <laughs> And, and his message was pretty great. He created, like, a really good message, too, on a very early machine. Yeah, with, like, music, like a whole, like, soundtrack to there it. production and all kinds of stuff. And it was all for him. He didn't mention the rest of the family at all. <laughs> well, that's not true. He kind of did. Well, yeah. What did he call them? His uh, in-house house... uh, staff. <laughs> yeah, in-house staff. That's right. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> so we found out through all of that that Alex is going to be teaching this class as a TA for Professor Spanos. And uh, this is a real thing. Did you ever teach? Were you ever a TA in college or anything like that? No, I never was. I actually was a TA for uh, a couple semesters and did teach one college class. Oh, you did? What class was it? It was Intro to Sound Production. Something along those lines. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, it was for the sound. You know, I was in radio, television, film department. And so I was a TA, and I got to teach the intro to sound class. And I so, graded their their projects and the whole nine yards. So do you create, like, the, the syllabus and then, you know, what is taught? Or do they kind of give that to you and then you follow a guideline? So in mine, I they, they kind of provided the, the syllabus and the structure. They had all the assignments and you know, what you would do. I mean, I had some freedom as to how I wanted to teach it. And, you know, I mean, I got to, uh, you know, they had to do like a recording project where they go into the studio and do like maybe a radio drama or uh, a commercial or something. And then I would grade it. And so I got to play around with a little bit of that. But for the most part, it was just kind of following their the curriculum that was already in place. Because it was a class I took my freshman year, you know. So. Okay. And so did you have to be like a junior or senior for that or? Yeah, and, you know, and it wasn't just, I mean, I had, because I had been doing well in the classes and was, you know, got to know the professors and stuff, they picked me, you know, you know, it wasn't just like a, you just automatically get to do it. I was, you know, 
a leader amongst the group in that regard. So um, I was also like the station manager at our radio station. So, you know, it was, it made sense. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Huh? Yeah. That, well, I went to the university of Redlands and I did like an accelerated night program. And so um, they didn't really have that. Oh yeah. No, at least not at nighttime, maybe during the day classes, you know, for regular students they did. I, again, I didn't know like a ton of other people that did it. It was more like a special arrangement, but it is a real thing. It wasn't, you know, someone watching this going, that doesn't make sense. The college student teaching the class. It's not that far off. It really isn't. That's so interesting. I didn't wear a suit and tie, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> but you carried a briefcase just for fun? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I carried my guitar to class, maybe. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Hopefully you never had a hacky sack, though. No, 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 no. Oh, I wasn't okay. that kind of college student. Oh, okay, good. Phew. So back to the Keatons here. So we find out again that Alex is going to be teaching this class. Mallory, she's like, I don't understand. Like, if I... If I was at Leland, like, I would want my, and you were teaching a class, I'd want my money back. And Alex is like, oh, if you were at Leland, all the, a lot of students at Leland would want their money back. You know? <laughs> she just uh, smiles. <laughs> I know. So, uh, anyway, uh, Ellen shows up, and we find out that uh, she's got her schedule for the next semester. And she's in Econ 101, Section 2, which is Alex's class. Oh. And um, that's, uh, you know. Obviously, Ellen's like, no, no, I'll drop it. I'll fix it. I didn't know you were going to be teaching it. And he's like, no, I want you to be in it. I want you to be a part of my life and see what I do. And so he convinces her to stay in the class, which to most people, that would be an obvious, you know, conflict of interest. Oh, yeah. But Alex, Alex isn't concerned about that. He wants her to be in his class. So we uh, jump to the first day of class, and Alex is in there, introduces himself as Mr. Keaton. He's being very serious, his full suit and tie with a briefcase, and he says they can call him Mr. Keaton or Sir. And <laughs> if they don't want to be so formal. <laughs> right. So his first question is, what causes inflation? No one in class is raising their hand except for Ellen, and he tries to ignore her at first, but eventually calls on her and just... Well, pretends he doesn't know her. He's like, what's your name again? Uh, Ellen Reed. Well, how do you spell that? R-E-E-D. What was that name again? And he keeps pretending like he doesn't know. <laughs> but he, and then he finally lets her answer the question. And then he just berates her for her answer. Because she says, <laughs> high prices cause inflation. And he's like, oh, high, high prices are a result of inflation. Oh, I can see there's a lot of ignorance in this class. And so he gives everyone an assignment and sends them on their way. So right off the bat, we see that Alex... He's uh, overcompensating. He didn't want to, like, show her favoritism. So instead, he's, like, coming down on her hard because he wants to not be seen as being unfair, which could be a problem. Yeah, definitely. And the class was only about four minutes. So I'm not sure how yeah. that works, you know. He sent them home right away to do their, their <laughs> report, which, by the way, was from their textbook called Money, Keep It Coming. <laughs> <laughs> I think he must have been able to speak into the textbook that they were going to use that semester. Yes, definitely. <laughs> see, I did not get to pick the textbook. That was one that like the professor had already chosen. I was just teaching from it. Well, that would make sense too, because the bookstore has to order it. And, you know, I mean, that was right. snail mail days too, where everything took way longer. It was not a, not as easy. You couldn't just look stuff up online. I mean, you know, there was internet, but it was different. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Pre Google internet, you know, <laughs> Alex comes home. Ellen is already obviously a little upset with him. So he comes home and he's wanting to know if she called, if there's any messages. And uh, Stephen says just the normal, you know, hate messages or whatever that <laughs> your students are giving you. Death and uh, 
most of the messages on the answering machine are, of course, for Mallory. It's all her friend Sherry leaving like 30 messages. That little bit when they were playing back the message from Sherry and then Alex fast forwards it was like the funniest bit of audio. I mean, it was just brilliant because it just, you could tell exactly what was going on. It was just, it was really, really funny. I love that bit. It was the chipmunk voice and you could hear <laughs> yeah. the giggle and it's all hee hee hee. <laughs> but you could tell, yeah, you could tell it was a total Valley girl, even though it was a super high chipmunk voice. It's great. <laughs> that was brilliant. Meanwhile, some uh, brochures have shown up in the mail for these preschools. Elias is like, uh, Stephen, I thought you, we decided we weren't going to do the preschool. And he's like, oh, I can't help what a van you sent out for brochures. <laughs> <laughs> he can't play ring toss, but he can make phone calls or write letters. <laughs> right. right. He can apply to these schools. I think Andy's going to be okay. Yeah, he seems to be a smart enough kid. Yeah. So uh, everyone heads out, and Alex and Eleanor are in there, and he's... Uh, they're talking about his the papers, the first paper assignment, and uh, Alex makes fun of like the students' papers in there. Like one student, he says, copied his project from a, a finance magazine, and uh, she's like, "How do you know it's from a finance magazine?" And it turns out the student included the subscription uh, <laughs> offer in the back of the paper. There, so. <laughs> that little uh, insert that always falls out when you open a magazine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. So yes, that's pretty bad plagiarism there. Oh. <laughs> So funny. Ellen, she's like, oh, what did I get? And he's, Alex is visibly nervous. And he's like, oh, I don't want to tell you. And she's like, oh, just tell me. I, I don't want to wait for class. And, he's, and she looks at it. And it's, he says, uh, you got a C minus. And she's stunned. She says, I see. And then Alex says, minus. Minus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, a lot of C minus humor. <laughs> so, so good. And so... You know, she's obviously unhappy with that grade, and he's like, oh, you didn't do as well as you could have. You know, you obviously didn't try as hard because you thought it'd be easy on you, and she accuses him of coming down hard on her just to prove, you know, they're not happy with each other. And he kind of calls her out for on her behavior for the entire class, which apparently included a field trip to a bank <laughs> um, on which she, she was uh, misbehaving as well, I guess. Yeah, she was late or something to it, I think. Fast forward to the next class, and Alex is in there teaching. The class is already underway. Uh, this one student, what was his name? Albert. Mr. Albert, yes. He said something. He's like, oh, I can't see what you wrote on my paper here, Mr. Keaton. And Alex is like, oh, it says plagiarism is illegal. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, so now we know. good. <laughs> yeah, now we know who did it, you know. Yeah. and so here in the middle of class in comes ellen from the back and she as we kind of mentioned at the beginning of the show she is in like full fonzie arthur fonzarelli get up she's got leather jacket and like boots and she's got a swagger and she's chewing gum and popping bubbles and being loud and obnoxious uh, using some of her acting and dance skills obviously yeah she's changed the way she walks and everything <laughs> sits like down on the tape on the chair i think she's like on the table or sitting backwards on the chair or something like that yeah just trying to be like a tough guy tough girl you know disruptive she's doing it all being loud <laughs> and she's popping the gum i love this alex is like are you chewing gum and she's like Chewing gum? No, these bubbles just form naturally on my lips, and I can't figure out how. <laughs> she was cracking up as she was saying it, too. She, she couldn't totally even was. say it with a straight face. She totally broke. And, I mean, I think that was, like, Tracy Pollen really cracking, but they left it in there because it worked. Oh, it was a perfect. She spits out the gum on Alex's shoe. She's disruptive in class. 
She shows off her C minus. It's just a mess. At the end of the class, Alex is kind of talking to everyone, and you see a paper airplane hit him on the head. <laughs> just that's like the final straw, <laughs> right? Back home with the Keaton family, the uh, girls Mallory and Jennifer are making a new message, and uh, I thought this was interesting because their new message is all about you know them. If you're calling for us or our parents, leave a message. If you're calling for Alex, you know don't bother leaving a message. He doesn't live here anymore, and we don't know where he is. <laughs> He's gone now. He's dead to us. Interesting, because they said the words, Alex doesn't live here anymore. And if you have looked at the list of the episodes, the final episodes of the show are are part one and part two of Alex doesn't live here anymore. Oh, what? Season seven? Yes. Oh, no. So I don't know, like, if that was a direct reference to that or they just happen to use that phrase again, or if there's a callback, I don't know, because I never watched the final episode. Oh, wow. But, interesting. We'll have to see if that does refer back to that ever. Yeah. Oh, man. I hope we can remember this. I hope so, too. Hopefully our <laughs> listeners can help us remember. Yeah, you're really good at that, and I know our listeners are perfect, so. Hmm. So, Alex comes in, and he's, you know, obviously upset about Ellen. He asks Mallory to... Let him have the room so he can talk with Steven and Elise. And she's like, oh, I, I already understand. I, like, I know what you're going through. She nails the whole scenario about him, you know, coming down on her because he doesn't want to feel like he's being unfair. And she's upset because he feels like she's treating him badly. And he, like, nails every aspect of it. And he's like, how did you know that? And she's like, oh, I just, like, <laughs> f- figured if I was in Nick's class, like, how would it be for us? And I just went from there, you know. <laughs> and Alex is like... Where would that class be taught? College on the moon? <laughs> I'd go to school there. That sounds pretty cool. That would be fantastic. That is where Nick would teach. <laughs> right. It would be great. I'd go to a Nick class. <laughs> yeah, all day. I bet he teaches art. <laughs> Advanced sculpture. <laughs> so, Stephen and Elise uh, do also have a chat with him. They kind of talk to him about compromise. They explain their recent compromise, which is that Andy's not going to preschool but Steven gets to keep the preschool brochure still. So oh, because of that, they're able to work through it. And uh, the solution that Alex comes up with for dealing with this Ellen situation is that he will resubmit the paper to Professor Spanos and have him as a you know impartial third party look at it and see if he was being too hard on her or not. And so the final scene, we're back in the classroom. It's just Alex and Ellen in there and they're... Uh, Talking about, you know, the paper, they're talking about the situation and how, you know, they were both kind of wrong about some things. And she apologizes. She said it was an immature response to your insane, lunatic, tyrannical behavior. (laughs) And uh, and they keep calling each other Mr. Keaton and Miss Reed. And eventually they realize they love each other still. Oh, Mr. Keaton. No, Miss Reed. And they run and hug each other. And, of course, right then, uh, Professor Spanos walks in. He says that he was, he's like, oh, no, no, this is nothing, Alex says. I was just explaining deficit spending. <laughs> and the professor's like, well, do you understand it or do you need another hug? <laughs> and uh, he says, you know, obviously there's a conflict of interest here. Ellen pleads on Alex's behalf. She says that he's helped her to see that economics is not just boring, although it is still really boring. You know, he says, well, it looks like you guys have worked it out. And he gives the paper back to her. He does say that Alex was maybe a little too hard on her, but also that she could have put more effort into it. The final thing Alex said, you know, talks about it, and he's like, well, I guess maybe I could bump it up to a C. <laughs> and then she tries to strangle him. 
<laughs> and that's our freeze frame. <laughs> He's going to die. But he has a big grin on his face, too. He was really laughing at that point. He did. Oh, I'm glad that their love is able to be rekindled. I know. I really love seeing their relationship in this one. Like, they really have chemistry for, you know, obvious reasons. Obvious, but yeah. It was really fun to see them playing off each other in this episode. Really was. And that uh, that was a pretty good scene there at the end, too. I know Heidi was like, oh, man, that was really good. Uh, just yeah. the way that they actually resolved the conflict and... You know, the uh, Mr. Keaton and Miss Reed part was cute, and 40 years later, it holds up. And they're still married. So So far, so good. (laughs) I wonder if she goes by uh, uh, Tracy Pollan, or if she is uh, Tracy Fox. I mean, I think on a professional level, she still goes by Pollan. At least that's what's on her IMDb page and, you know, her recent credits and stuff. And that's pretty typical. A lot of times, like, if if an actress gets married, even they take the husband's name you know, privately, they still professionally keep their unmarried name because that's what they're known for. Yeah, so. that's true. Yeah, it was it was really good. And I think knowing that they really are together in real life, it just like it ramps up that like that romance and that relationship there it really feels just special. You know, it does. It really, really does. Like I said, I'm already pretty sad for when she's not on the show anymore. I can't believe how close we are. Can't believe we only have two seasons and three episodes, right? Oh, and a bunch of special stuff. Well, we do really have three seasons left if you think about it: five, six, and seven. Oh no, you're right. Oh, I can do math. See, you just got a whole nother season out of it. I did. Wow, that was fantastic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Man, I should have you do more math for me. <laughs> well, I'll do my best. <laughs> oh, I was thinking this is five, but you know, you're absolutely right. Yeah, because well, five is next. Five is next. That's how it goes. Four, then five. Yeah. I can count, too. Don't let anybody tell you different, Phil. You're special. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) I've been taking too many classes on the College of the Moon. Oh, there you go. Well, you're focused on art, so. (laughs) That's right. Oh, that's funny. Sha-la-la-la. Well, I can count that there were four guest stars on this episode. Wait, four? Four guest stars. Interesting. On the IMDb page. Okay. Up first, we have Professor Spanos. That's the most obvious one. Sure. Professor Spanos was played by Macon McCalman. Oh. Great older guy named Macon McCalman. 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 Yeah. Interesting. Macon McCalman. Yeah. He is an actor who has 120 credits. Oh, wow. In his body of work. Okay. So he's been doing stuff for a long time. Now... You said you recognized one of the actors. Which one was it? So I know who we're looking at. It was Albert. Okay, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. Some highlights here from uh, Macon McCallman. He's in a lot of movies and TV shows. He was in the movie The Client with Susan Sarandon and Tommy Lee Jones. The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Did you ever watch that? No. That was a TV show, right? With Bruce Campbell. Mm. Fantastic show. It's kind of like a mix of like... It's definitely a Western, but there's also sort of a sci-fi element to it, and it's really, really funny. And it's uh, it's Bruce Campbell and then uh, John Astin, who's Sean Astin's oh, dad that was Gomez on the original yes. Adams Family. Oh, I loved him. So oh, good. It's a really good show. I have the entire series on DVD, which should not be a shock. No. that it's <laughs> The only thing that's kind of a shock is that it's on DVD and not VHS. Well, I have tried to upgrade as much as possible, if it's available. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Uh, let's see. A bunch of other shows he did an appearance on here and there, like Lois and Clark, oh. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Knight Rider. He did Knight Rider, which is, a, as we know, our Champ on Klein friends do Knight Rider, or yes. did Knight Rider. Oh, they're already done? 
They, well, yeah, they finished Night Rider. They're doing Airwolf now. Oh, that's right. I knew that. Yeah, first they did uh, they did MacGyver, then Knight Rider, then Airwolf, and they've they're talking about because I think they're on the final season, they're on the fourth season, so they're talking about what their next show is going to be. Are they going to do the new Knight Rider that came out uh, like oh gosh in the two thousands? <laughs> I think they had three or four know. whole episodes, right? Uh, yeah, I don't think it went very long. I watched it and I liked it, and I was bummed out when it was done. Who was was it? Still, uh, David Hasselhoff? No, no, no. It was a uh, another kid. Uh, okay. I don't know who the actor was. Do you remember at Universal Studios they used to have Kit the car, and you could sit in it and they would like talk to you? Oh heck yes, they did. Fantastic. I mean, I wish that was still there, but I don't know that it would be as big of an appeal as it was to us <laughs> when I was a kid. You know? Yeah. But that was the cool thing. Now, as an adult, I know they probably just had someone like hiding it with a microphone and would talk to you. But at the time, I'm like, this is a talking car, and I'm sitting in it. This is fantastic. It's just like the TV show. No, that's totally so cool. So it was Knight Rider 2008 was the newest one. And guess who was the voice of Kit? David Hasloff? No. If I gave you a thousand guesses, you would never say this guy's name. T.J. Miller. Nope. <laughs> T.J. Miller. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was a wild guess. You know? Val Kilmer. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's no, really I never funny. Really that. Yeah. Huh. Oh, and they actually went all 17 episodes for the one season. September wow. of 2008 all the way through to March of 2009. That is cool. So <laughs> there's your Night Rider information. So I hope Knight those guys uh, go, go and do that uh, season. That would be cool. Yeah. Well, it's funny. They posted – this is, again, our friends Champa and Klein, Dave Champa, who also does the Anna Green Gables podcast, Call Me Cordelia. They're the ones that Janelle and I went and visited their house when we were in Maine. Just met them because they were podcasting people. And we actually went to their house, and it was really cool. And we did a guest appearance on the show. So in order to pick their new show, he took a picture of a DVD rack at, like, a Walmart or something. And he said, the next show that we're doing is on this rack. Tell us what you think. And so it, you had to, like, pick through the picture. And I I voted for uh, – I think Gilligan's Island was on there. There's a bunch Ooh. of different stuff. But I don't know what they're going to pick. It'll be interesting to see. So. Oh, that's it. exciting. Fingers crossed. Those guys are cool, so check them out. Yeah, definitely. Back to our guest star. So, Ms. Macon McCalman, he was also in a bunch of movies. Fried Green Tomatoes, The Incredible Shrinking Woman with Lily Tomlin. Oh. One other significant movie is he was in Doc Hollywood. Oh, that ring a with bell? Michael J. Fox. With Michael J. Fox, that's right. Uh, he was one of the people in the town there. Great movie. That yeah. is a good movie. One final one to mention is he was also in an episode of Family. With oh, Meredith, Meredith Baxter. Baxter. So he went, you know, earlier one with her and then later one with Michael J. Fox. That's pretty cool. I wonder if she remembered because, I mean, you know, she was obviously in a lot of uh, TV shows and did a lot of episodes with uh, guest stars. I wonder if she would remember some of these people if they would be like, hey, I met you once. but Because, I mean, like this episode of Family he was in was in 1978, so eight years prior. And if he was on one episode... You know, I mean, but I'm sure they would be like, oh, I was on your episode of Family, and she was cool about it. Yeah. She seems well, cool. And there was no scenes between her and him in uh, the Family Ties episode, so. Right. Hmm. But I'm sure, you know, they were on set, so. But, believe it or not, this is the only appearance of Professor Spanos. What? So, I know. College, th this college runs through professors, like, Really quickly. I don't understand the turnover rate there at Leland. Something's going on. <laughs> apparently, professors and cheese plates. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> he has to bring his own cheese to the staff gathering. Right? Oh, poor Alex. So the next guest star in this episode 
was Mr. Albert. Rick Albert is the name. So I don't know if they ever mentioned his name, Rick. I don't but remember. He was credited that, as Rick Albert. Mr. Albert. Oh, you know what? I wonder if, because I'm pretty sure he read the essay. I bet he said his name then. You're probably right. I think, oh, look at Rick Albert's paper. I bet you he did then. Um, I, I'd have to go back and check, but I'm, I, now that I say it, I think he did. So he was played by Mark Moses. And Mark Moses actually has 143 acting credits in his body of work. He's still acting uh, as recently as like 2022. So he's going strong. And he's been in a lot of things. And I'm. do you have any guesses what you might recognize him from? No. I was racking my brain trying to think of something. But he's got that face where I know I've seen him in something and I just don't know what. Okay, well, I'm going to run it's, through some. He's got that laugh, oh, too. Cause he was well, that laugh, laugh. Oh, my gosh. And it was like the goofiest laugh. It was so funny. <laughs> Which is probably what was making Tracy Pollan crack up during that scene. Because <laughs> it was just through the whole thing. <laughs> I don't know. It was really crazy. Yes. Well, obviously, I'm not going to go through all 143 credits. But I did try to pick ones I thought maybe you would know. He did one episode of Grey's Anatomy. Which yeah. I know that that's one that gets watched yeah. in your household. It does. It does quite a bit. He had a three-episode arc on Law and Order, True Crime. He was on 22 episodes of Mad Men. Oh, I, I've seen. So Heidi's watched that. She watched it the first time she got COVID. And uh, I, I probably have seen him on that show. Okay. He played Duck Phillips on that show for 22 yep. episodes. Okay. Yep. He was a recurring character on Desperate Housewives for 75 episodes. Oh, and I only watched watched the first two seasons. So, maybe not that. But maybe he was on the first two seasons, too. I don't know. 75 episodes. I mean, that's a pretty... That's that's a lot of episodes. Yeah, quite a bit. As Paul Young. Those are kind of the big ones. He did an episode of Malcolm in the Middle, which I watched all the way through, and we love that show. So, Um, he was on an episode of a TV show called Family Law. But this is his only appearance on Family Ties. Hmm. So it sounds like maybe Mad Men is what you recognize him from. Yeah, I just uh, looked him up and yeah, totally. That's the guy. He takes over the uh, the firm that, well, shoot, I don't want to spoil it. All right, we won't have any spoilers. But yes, yeah. that's that's him. Interesting. Okay, so then we have two more that are like uncredited. But one of them is one of the class, the students in the class played by Bill Baker, and I don't know for sure which one this was, but he had a pretty, like, crazy run. This is another one of those things where he was, like, you know, it looks like he did a lot of, like, extras work and stuff, and just, like, this insane run of movies and TV shows. He was in Magnum P.I., did an episode of Knight Rider. Um, Movies-wise, he did Armed and Dangerous with uh, John Candy, Weird Ooh. Science, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, The Man with One Red Shoe with Tom Hanks, and Karate Kid. Oh. Plus, he was in Back to the Future. Oh, dang. He was a student at the dance in Back to the Future. Wow. He's got to be in that group when Ellen was bad Ellen, you know? When they were all kind of huddled together, all chit-chatting, and Alex is like, oh, do you guys have anything you want to share with the class? It must be one of those, like, featured. Yeah. But here's the thing. This might all sound familiar because this is actually his third and final appearance on Family Ties. Wait, what? He's been on twice before? He's been on twice before. Once in 1982, uh, an episode called Not With My Sister You Don't, which is season one. Oh, yeah. He was a party guest in that one. And then he was on The Real Thing Part 1 
1985, uh, earlier this season, right? Wasn't that earlier this season? Mm. Yeah, that's the one with, with Ellen, uh, when he meets Ellen, right? That's the first two episodes oh, of the wow. season. Oh, wow. Okay. And he was a party guest in that one as well. Interesting. So well, this is the last time that we see him. This guy just likes to party all the time. He does. And then <laughs> he also, in, uh, in multiple other things, like Knight Rider, he was a football player. Uh, in the Karate Kid, he was a running student in the hallway. In uh, he was a gym class student in Weird Science, softball player in The Man with One Red Shoe. A lot of a lot of stuff like that. Yeah, real sportsy guy. And then finally, and this one is funny to me, we have the voice on the answering machine. This is the voice from the preschool who's oh. telling Stephen <laughs> about the you know the other application. We got your application. We're going to talk to you about the preschool. Um, the person who was the voice on the answering machine was Edward Edwards. Oh. Is that, does is that name ring a bell, besides being a fun repeating name? Yes. He's been on before. He's been on before. That's right. Lots of TV shows and stuff. Alf, Doogie Howser, Matlock, Desperate Housewives as well. Quantum Leap. But this is actually his second of two appearances on Family Ties. Oh, so now he's done. Yeah, so this is two Ooh. actors on this episode where they've been on it before, and this is their final episode. What was his first one? The Harder They Fall, 1983 episode, and he was Mr. Ruben Tedesco. Harder They Fall. I don't remember that one. I wondered if he was the voice when um, Alex and the other guy had, were working at the call center. Uh, oh, no, no. This is the one where Stephen and Elise go to the uh, school for a teacher-parent uh, teacher meeting, and... They get upset, and I think, doesn't Steven, like, punch him or something? Oh, that's right. He does. So, yeah, he was the teacher in that episode. So, he had a lot bigger role in that one, and then he came back as the voice on the answering machine. Interesting. And that's it for guest stars. Sha-la-la-la! So, I know I went fairly thoroughly through this episode, but was there anything in this episode that you wanted to go over that I didn't touch upon? There was one line when... uh it was when he was talking to Steven, and Steven or Elise said, oh, you're in a position of absolute power. And Alex goes, yeah, what's the problem with that? <laughs> and then the last one that I had that you didn't mention previously was uh, right at the very end when they were talking to Professor Spanos. He said, oh, you know, I gave her an A, and, you know, she agreed to marry me. He, and then he goes, well, of course, <laughs> if I knew then what I know now, I think I'd have flunked her. <laughs> I was like, Dang. <laughs> Yeah, he had a pretty good little couple of jokes there for just being in the last little bit. Exactly, yeah. The one other one that like I just I wrote down that I thought was funny was when Alex was teaching the class and he's talking about uh, you know about uh, financial uh, distress. We talked about the Panic of eighteen thirty seven, <laughs> and then that led to the Panic of eighteen forty five, the Panic of eighteen fifty three, and then the general nervous tension of eighteen seventy seven. The nervous tension. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that would make economics more fun if that was real. Right? Well, if you had jokes in economics, you would be the king. Sha-la-la-la! Did you have a moral for this episode? I did. We're always the hardest on the ones we love the most. You have a way of boiling things down into really pithy, meaningful statements. It's, it's well, I'm very simple. I'm not capable of uh, real, you know, expounded thoughts. Yeah, but I mean, that's like boiling it down. It's like a, a fine sauce where you simmer it until it gets rid of everything else and it's just the pure goodness, you know. <laughs> right? I think, I think that's how cooking works. 
Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think yeah. sometimes they call those ruse. Oh, yeah. Oh, you've watched more cooking shows than I have. Well, <laughs> I've had COVID twice now, so. Oh, yeah. You've had time. <laughs> yeah, I got a little bit more time in there. What about you? Did you get one? Oh, yes. I mean, it's not like entirely different from yours, and it's never like written down as well as yours is, of course. I well, if have I don't to, write like, it down, I won't remember. So I have to stumble around mine, though, to get to my point. <laughs> but yeah, when there's someone that we care about, it's hard to, to find that balance. Oh, yeah. I think Mallory kind of summed it up the most. is like to put yourself in someone else's position and, you know, feel like what it would be like to be in that position. And you'll have a lot more understanding for what they're going through. Because Mallory solved it. Well, she doesn't have just fashion smarts. She's got relationship smarts, too. Exactly. Yeah. There's an expectation always. And so it's hard to put a value on that. Well done, sir. You've got it so much more concise. Simple. I'm a simple guy. They're not printing mine on the back of the book. They're putting yours on the back of the book, you know. <laughs> well, only because yours is going to be inside because it needed a little bit more room. It, it needs more room to breathe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I could work for like the New York Times and do uh, a story synopsis. And, That's uh, good, yeah. <laughs> I could give them their uh, quote. You got a real headline uh, career ahead of you if you want it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm training for uh, to write clickbait. Seriously, you'd be great at it. I don't want to read anything. Tell me what I need to know in like one sentence. <laughs> then I'm good. I don't need to worry about the story anymore. <laughs> yep. That's it. Well, Ellen and uh, Alex, oh, they just have such a great uh, chemistry on screen. And again, you know, we're we're episode 21 now and we still don't are not getting the song. I know. I really thought this episode would get the song. I mean, it's got to come soon. Maybe it's next season. Maybe it's like it took off over the summer. Yeah, that could be because they blew their budget having the band play in the beginning of the season. So they didn't get money uh, to license it until next season. That That's my theory now. Okay. All right. Well, we did get to see a little bit more of the kitchen than we've ever seen before. You know, when they were putting up the uh, fire alarm earlier in the season. Remember how they kind of came out further than they'd ever come out before? They extended the set. That's definitely kind of into the budget as well. You're right. Yeah. Between those two things, you know, boom, <laughs> budget's gone. Plus, they had to invest in an answering machine, and that's not cheap back then, apparently. Well, especially that one. I mean, it looked like it was giant and had lots of buttons and switches, and I think that one was actually part of the moon landing. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> that was part of the hardware. <laughs> and they had to get a whole like horn section to record the background music for Alex's <laughs> message, too. So that's not cheap. <laughs> yeah, yeah they obviously had to make that, but still... And then he was mouthing the words along as he was yeah, going, listening to himself. It. and Oh, funny. Do you remember these things? This was I probably a short window there. But they used to sell cassette tapes that had, like, pre-recorded messages on them. And you could use them for your home message and, like, copy it over onto your tape. And oh, yeah. then, like, add your own, like, personalization to it. Does that ring a bell to you? Oh, yeah. So, like, we got the Looney Tunes one, I remember. And we thought that was so funny. And we'd have, like, Elmer Fudd's, like... Like, uh, you know, lethal message. I can't do an Elmer Fudd voice. I have no idea. <laughs> Hunting rabbits. There we go. The Vecchios are not, we're not home right now. Leave a message. There we go. And, uh, and we'd be like, the Vecchios are not home right now. Leave a message. And then we thought that was like the coolest thing ever. And I uh, want you to do Foghorn Lakehorn next. <laughs> I'll say, I'll say, I'll say, the Vecchios aren't home right now. Leave a message. 
<laughs> Go away, son. You bother me. There's <laughs> uh, <laughs> the reason that Mel Blank didn't pass on his uh, job to me, you know? <laughs> right? He left you with Crush instead. <laughs> he knew your wheelhouse. Yeah. He, uh, uh, he's got a little wider range than I do. I do remember those. I had a one friend that had one of those, and I can't remember which one he had. They sold a bunch. I think we had more than one, but the Looney Tunes one is my favorite. Oh, that's funny. Okay, one final answering machine story here. In college, my roommate and I, uh, my roommate was an art major, and we had a lot of fun together. We had an answering machine in our dorm room, and, you know, people would call, and (laughs) we, you know, we constantly were changing the message, and for, we finally settled on one that we kept for a really long time, and what we did is we took a scene from The Three Amigos, and if you're familiar with The Three Amigos, this will sound familiar, but they are breaking back into the movie studio and they're trying to like, you know, they have like a little code that they're setting up to like call each other. So at first it's they like whistle to each other. And then that, you know, they're dumb of course. So they don't hear it. And he's like, you too, you too. And it keeps going on like that. And finally look up here, look up here, look up here. And at the very end, he's like, Hey guys. Right. That's like how the scene goes. And so we recorded that entire scene which is like i don't know three and a half minutes or something onto our answering machine and then that's it like we just had that section on there and it goes hey guys and then it cuts off and that's <laughs> when the it beeps and so people wanted to leave us a message they had to listen to a three minute scene from the three amigos every time <laughs> it cut down on superfluous messages i will tell you right oh but janelle so was really cool. irritated with that she's like will you change that <laughs> stupid message yeah because how many times did she leave you a message Oh, many Often, times. I would say, right? Many times. In fact, I mean, we used to laugh about it because every message from Janelle would always start with, Hi, it's Janelle. <laughs> and Matt and I would do that impression of her and she'd get some out like, That's not what I sound like. I'm like, I didn't Turn <laughs> off the stupid anti machine. <laughs> oh my gosh. Poor Janelle. I know. She we had, had a lot of with fun. Your nonsense. But she got to know Three Amigos really well. So that was really the takeaway in all of that. Right? Oh, that's a lot of answering machine talk. And that brings us to the end, the answer to this entire episode, which is that we're really excited everyone listened to the episode with us. Yay! And we're human, not a machine. So that's right. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you, Keith, so much for recording with us. It is with a me. pleasure, as always. You're recording with me, but that's us. I, right. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, together you know we're I mean. us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, if our listeners would like to write to us, how would they do that? They would do that at Alex P. Keaton is my friend at gmail.com. Or they can go to Facebook and find Alex P. Keaton is my friend on Facebook. And then they can even join our group, Friends of Alex P. Keaton is my friend. Excellent, excellent. Yes, those are all good things to do. They can actually find you and I on Podchaser as well. That's right. And they have, we have our show on there. You could listen to our show on there or just leave a review or whatever. You know, yeah. pretty cool. Y- you can just really enjoy whatever you want. However much of us you can stand, boom. That's right. Us. Do it. That's good. We're all That's over. Advice. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, it's time for us to bump this episode up to a C and call it over. <laughs> it's complete. That's why. We're bumping yes. it up to a C. C for complete. complete. Okay. That's right. Well, thanks again, Keith, for being here. Thank you. And we'll see you all next time on another very special episode of Alex B. Keaton is my friend. What would we do, baby, without us? What would we do, baby, without us? 
And there ain't no nothing we can love each other through. What would we do?